A Gemarcha Sima Toiva. I am recording this video now this year. Motsui Rosh Hashanah. And as I mentioned to you, the Arizal says that we don't sleep Rosh Hashanah or the Mazel sleeps a whole year. So we, of course, did not sleep and we could feel it <laughs> because it's a long day, Baruch Hashem, of davening and it's a long day of Tillim. And the Rabbanishlam, we hope for everyone, Klal Yisrael, that the tefillahs were niskabel l'rachmem l'rotzon and that the shnas geula v'yeshua which is really the most single important item of the day that we ask for uh, will be realized and that we should see it actually happen. Uh, I am taping tonight about Vayelech which is this coming Shabbos in another three days and it's Shabbos Shuva. And in addition, I am going to be speaking a little bit about Yom Kippur. And on Sunday, Bez Hashem, the day after Parshas Vayelach, I will be taping Ha'azinu, which is the Shabbos afterwards, between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. That Shabbos is Parshas Ha'azinu. I will be speaking about Sukkot, and I may add on two or three things for Yom Kippur because I will be making the tape three days before Yom Kippur on Sunday, and Yom Kippur is Tuesday night. So that's our schedule so far. And we hope that each and every one of you, that your tefillahs for your family, for your, the community, for everyone, was in a very abundant way expressed and an abundant way received and in abundance responded. Now in Parshas Vayelech, it, we have the myths of Hakel. We know that we just finished with Rosh Hashanah a year of Shemitah. And after a year of Shemitah, the eighth year, that Sukkot, which was already dipped into the eighth year, that Sukkot, the Melech Yisrael, uh, read Mishnah Torah. He took out his Sefer, his private Sefer Torah, and he read the entire Devarim. Mm -hmm. And that's called the mitzvah of hakel, that they get, that they gather together, the entire Yisrael, the men, the women, and the children. Now the Gemara asks, why did the children come? The Gemara says the men came to learn. The women came to listen and to hear. But why were the babies there? And Rashi brings the Chazal that, as we said, the men were there to learn, the women to hear, and the babies were there to give schar lemevi'ehem, 
that to those who brought them got schar. And therefore it became like a mitzvah, like a mitzvah to come and bring the children. That was part of the tzivu Bakel. Men, women, and children. Now, this was repeated to Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. And there were two Chachamim, Rabbi Yochanan ben Broka and another Tana came to Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanan to visit him in Pekin, the Mechilta says. And he asked them, what did you learn in the base of Medrash today? So they answered and we learned about Hakel. And Rabbi Lozer ben Azariah said that Russia that the men to learn, the women to hear, and the children to give the star, the reward, to those who brought them. Rabbi Yoshua ben Hanania, when he heard this, he said, Ashrecha, Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah, that he said, Avram Avinu, you are lucky that Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah came from you. And all the Mephorshim asked, why was Rabbi Yoshua so excited? I mean, what was the thunder and lightning that this drusha, that you bring the children to give reward to those who brought them? Why was it such an outstanding, unbelievable thing that he called out that Avram Avinu, you should be very happy that Revelosar ben Azariah came from you. So the Mephorshim want to explain that the Gemara in Kedushin says that Avram Avinu did not circumcise, make a bris for himself, because it would have been voluntary. And he wanted to be commanded to do it. And if he was commanded to do it, it would be greater reward. Because if someone's commanded, then the Yetzirah comes to really fight you not to do it. And that's called a Metsuva V'oysa. So, Avram Avinu, for 99 years, he knew there was a mitzvah of Mila, but he didn't do it for himself. And he wanted to wait till he would have the command. Rabbi Yoshua was so excited with the drusha because Rabbi Yoshua's mother brought him in the cradle to the base of Medrash. And he, he laid in the cradle and he was soaking up the Divrei Torah, the cult or the atmospheric atmosphere of Limud HaTorah. So when he heard this, that Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah said, 
that the reason the children came was simply to give their parents extra schar. And some say it doesn't mean just extra schar for bringing them. But since these children would never forget the scene of hundreds of thousands of Yidden coming together for Hakel, and even as a little baby, a one-year-old, seeing the king laying Mishnah Torah for the entire assemblage. So that gave the incentive to Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania to call out to Avram Avinu, because just like his mother wasn't commanded to bring a baby into the base of Medrash, yet it produced tremendous results and fruits of that labor of bringing a cradle and bringing the baby, that so too Avram Avinu got credit because he waited till he was a Metsuva Vaisa. And that was the drusha of Rebbe Lazar ben Azariah, that these children produced for their parents because they brought them an unbelievable level of schar. And some of us say that that even means the child grew up to be a tzaddik or a talmud chacham, that that is the edus that they're bringing and now making it a mitzvah to bring the children by his statement, that that gave justification to Avram Avinu not to have the Mila for the 99 years, but to wait till he was actually commanded. Now, we have to realize that when we go through life with children and grandchildren, we want to broaden the scope for the children and grandchildren of what grandparents lived, how they lived, and when they were alive, what they did with their lives. And that's the lesson that we have to take, that the effect of bringing children and babies awakens an awareness of what family really means, and we are not to take it for granted or to take it simply as if it's just another nice thing. It is the Zechariah Mosolam Binu Shinos Dor Vador that we have a special tzivoy in Parshas Hazinu to go attach yourself to the elders and learn from them because that's how we thrive. We're not a society like it may be assumed in the street that elders, what do they know? Old people, we're modern. We've got the cell phones and the fax machines and the everything. What's there to learn from somebody who grew up in a village? But the truth is that there's more to learn from him than from all the modern technology because they lived life 
under, in many, many cases, duress and difficulty, and how they survived and how they came out, is something which could never leave them and the memories of that, no matter when their grandparents pass on, but they're able to latch on and to seize the moment and those memories to help guide them in their lives. Now, in Parshas Vayelech, <clears throat> when it talks about Hakel, the eighth year, the year after Shemitah, that it says, Miketz Sheva Shonim, at the end of the seventh year, that means at the end of Shemitah, we do the Hakel. It goes into the eighth year. Why doesn't, as the Torah usually does, tell us a date? When it came to, let's say, today, Rosh Hashanah says, Bachodesh Hashvi in the seventh month, and the first day of the month, it tells us that we have a mitzvah to Shoifer and what we have to do. And when it comes to Sukkot, it says, Bachamisha Asriyom Lachodesh Hashvi. The 15th day, we have Pesach and Nisan, we have Sukkot in Tishrei. But when it comes to Hakel, it doesn't say anything about the date, the time that it's Sukkot or that it's, that it's the eighth year. It calls it the end of the Shemitah cycle year. And interestingly, Mephorshim say, I know the Meshachachma talks about it, then the Sivis uh, gives an answer, and the Shasemis talks about it. So the Shasemis says, because at the, the year of Shemitah is one year filled with Emuna, with a person having faith. These people to have their bread on the table, they had to seed a field, they had to harvest, they had to do so many things for the year. And then they had harvest, they were able to have their parnasa. For the seventh year, they were not allowed to do any of this. So, and the Pasuk even asks that if you ask, what, what are we going to eat? What's going to be? So Hashem says, that my blessing, my bracha, is going to come. So basically, when Ayid went into a Shemitah year, he had strong emuna in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how he survived. Now, coming back to the sowing and the planting and the harvesting in the eighth year, you could start to think that maybe, oh, I really did it correctly. And it was like his fruits of the labor that he's going to have what to eat. So therefore, the Pusik doesn't say Vat Hakel. What it says in terms of the timing, you're attached to the Shavash at the end of your Shemitah year. That's when you're going to be doing your Hakel. And remember that that year we're referring to, the end of the seventh year, the seventh year is a year 
that is central to the idea of pure emuna, Because that's how Yidin came out, and the truth is that you see that Yidin, who have the highest level of emuna, they are the ones who have the most parnasa. Tzadikim, the Gemara says, Zocha, Malachta Nasa al because they are so enveloped in an atmosphere of pure emuna, and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whatever he does, he provides and will have and will be able to survive and will be able to live our year. And there's such emuna every day, not just Shemitah for Tzadikim, that all their work and things come up that they have plenty of parnasa. They didn't have it the week before, and suddenly something happens. Like somebody just told me of his grandfather who arrived from Europe after the war, and he was a very big tzaddik. And a yid who knew him of how Ehrlich and how fine he was brought to him a very rich man, Dr. Spat, that largest building in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn, that has the clock at the top. He owned that building. And this was in the early 50s. And Dr. Spat used to come twice a year to this tzaddik that he was introduced to. He pulled up in his Cadillac limousine with his chauffeur, and he went into the tzaddik and he used to give him $20,000 twice a year. Now, in 1952 or 53, $40,000 a year was enough for a person and his family to live. And he, even the tzaddik says that the five chasnas that he made were all, it was enough money to make the chasnas in those days for his children uh, what he needed. Why was he zoicha that somebody suddenly had a machshava, a thought, let me bring this rich man to him, and if he's impressed and he's comfortable, I'm going to encourage him to support him. And he never went to work. He had a Gemara, he had a Zoyer, he had a Kisveyari. He had all the sperm on his table, and that's what he did with his whole life. Why was he Zoycha to that? Because the answer is, his level of emuna was so high that that's what you're Zoycha to when you have that kind of emuna. So we wanted the Yid, even though you're now in the eighth year, and you're doing Hakel, and you're beginning to plant and to seed and to do everything. But we wanted to still attach his makshava to the year that he just finished, because that was a year of emuna, That was pure emuna, And not to just let it go. And to be able to be there in that frame uh, of mind, remembering that his emuna pulled him through that year, and even though you're beginning to sow and to do it, uh, don't pat yourself on the back. The bracha still comes from having a muna and from a Baruch Hu. 
Now, this Shabbos is Shabbos Shuva. And some pronounce it as, as foreign brain, Tshuva. Because every day between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, there's seven days in between. There's ten days, including Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But there's seven days in between, and the Swarms say that every single day of those seven days is Mechaper and Mesakeh. It atones and it mends, it, it repairs. For instance, in seven days, there has to be every day of the week, one time in those seven days, because we have seven days in a week. So on a Wednesday of Aser of a all the Wednesdays of the past year are repaired with a little bit of tshuva, He's able to fix and to represent, so to speak, the last year's Wednesdays. And that goes for Monday, for Tuesday, for Shabbos. Now, we know that that's why we always tell everyone to the Macholim should be special, the davening should be special. Because that Shabbos, Shabbos Shuva, is lifting up and repairing every Shabbos of the past year. So there's a tremendous koyach to the to Shabbos. Now the Dorshe Rishumos talk about the word Shuva is Toshuv Hey. That we want to return the Hey. We know that when Klal Yisrael went into Golos, the, the last hay, the Shechina of HaKadosh Baruch Hu went with them. Now Hashem is still in every place in the world. There's, there's no place that's without Him. But the Shechina went out from a state of Avoida into a state of Golos. And that's why we always ask that by every mitzvah we do, that we ask that liachet shem yudke bevavke, that last day, to the shem avaya, because the, it's only yudke vav. And that last day went out into goals. So, Shabbos, which represents because when we sing Ra'u Yater Yizge, Viyisa Bazuge Dahavas Parisha, that Akhurish Baruch was separated from his bride. Now, most types of that Hashem is the Chosen and Claude Yisrael is, is the Kala, but that stanza is referring to basically the Shechina. Then when it comes Shabbos, it's a segula, how we behave on Shabbos, whether Hashem can be reunited with that Shechina, which leaves after Shabbos, but that there's the power there based on our mitzvahs and mice and tovim. <coughs> In addition, 
The Zoyer HaKadosh says that every letter of the Yudke Vovke stands for something else. The Yudke in the beginning is Ava and Yira, and the Vov is Torah, and the last He are mitzvahs. So Meforshim Kadmoinim say that in addition to what happens the whole week, that every Monday is repaired and every Tuesday, when it comes to Shabbos and there's repair and there is a tremendous forceful effort to be mechaper, atone for anything wrong done on any Shabbos of the past year, at the very same time, since it's a segula for the Shechina, and since it is something which repairs and brings up and holds up that last hay that the Zayar Kodesh says, it's all the mitzvahs, that we in Shabbos Shuva is Toshov hay, the Shechina, but also Toshav hay, all the mitzvahs that fall under the umbrella of that hay that the Shabbos repairs and we are able to elevate back to its source all the mitzvahs of the year, not just Shabbos, mitzvahs of the year, because that's incorporated in the last hey. And that's the Pshat Toshov hey, that we want that the hey should return not only the Shechina, but all the mitzvahs incorporated in it that may have fallen aside. People missed uh, Minyanim, people missed Zman Krishma, people missed 10 different things. And we're not able to incorporate it properly and set it into motion heavenward we can fix that. And that brings me to speak a little bit about Yom Kippur. The Shalah HaKadosh, and we know that there were only six people who got the title Kadosh, holy. Rabbeinu HaKadosh was the only Tana who was called Kadosh. The Alshech HaKadosh the Orachayim HaKadosh, Rashi HaKadosh, the Shalah HaKadosh, that they were zoiched to a special title, which no one else was really zoiched to. Now others were Tzadikim and Kadoshim and everything. But there was something in the area of Kedusha that gave them, propelled them into a realm that was unbelievable and that Others didn't reach that point in that level. But these did, and they got that the whole Claudius show for a thousand years, for however long it is, are referring to them as Kadosh. Now the Shalah Kadosh, and you see, he's buried in Tveria together with other Tzadikim, Tanoim, and Amaroyim. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Rabbi Lozab, Rabbi Herkinus, Ravami Ravasi, the biggest, and he lived after them 1,800 years, 
1,600 years, some, depending who we're talking about. And he's the only one of that takuf in the last 1,000 years that was buried in that cemetery because the Rambam is buried, but it's on, off to the side with his father. But in these tzad, tremendous big, big, big tzaddikim that the Shalom HaKadosh is buried there. And he asked his Talmidim once, which is bigger, Yom Kippur or Shabbos? And the Talmidim all answered him that Shabbos is bigger than Yom Kippur. And he asked them, why did you choose Shabbos? And they said to him, because look at the punishment. If someone is Mechal Shabbos, it's Misa. It's like the worst punishment you can have. And on Yom Kippur, it's only Karis. Excision. Which is bad, but it's not as bad as Misa Bidei Adam. So the Shalak Kadosh answered them and said, Yom Kippur is bigger. And why is it that the Oynish is less? It's less because the day is so much a day of chesed and rachamim that even the punishment is knocked down one rung. But Yom Kippur, he said, is keneged yoivol, and Shabbos is keneged shmita. So, Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur really is like the, the Shar Chameshim. It is, Yom Kippur is Keneged Yoival, he explained. And if we have seven Shemitahs, the 50th year is Yoival. Now, Yoival, the Avodim, the slaves, go out free. They blew Shoifer at the end of Yom Kippur, and all the slaves went free. And that Shoifer was not the mitzvah of Shoifer. Today, on Rosh Hashanah, you had the mitzvah of Shoifer. That was to express that they were going out to Cheros. And they blew Shoifer. And that's why on Yom Kippur, when we finish Yom Kippur, we sound the Shoifer, because it's considered like the end of Oyovil, that all the Avadim went out free. We are Avadim, we're slaves. We're enslaved to our Yetzirah, to our appetites, to, to 20 different things that we do. We are enslaved. And we come out at the end of Yom Kippur, that that knot that was tied is untied. We are not under the entrapment of the Yetzirah anymore from the past. That means a person the next day could do an Avera, even though the Gemara says that Sukkot is Rishon Hu Lochem, Rishon Hu, that the accounting for avoidance for a person begins on circus.
So everyone asks, but what happened to the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot? No one does any Avera? That it starts on Sukkot, the, the accounting of the Averas. So they answer and say that after Yom Kippur, we are so elevated that with the slightest effort, a person can go up to Sukkot without the slightest Lashon Hara, the slightest taiva for something that may not be kosher, a candy or a candy bar, and, and being convinced by his Yitzhar, no, no, I think that uh, you saw your uh, neighbor eating this, to talk the person into taking the candy and, and eating it. But those temptations, Svarim bring, that we are at such a plateau, such a level, after Yom Kippur, that with the tiniest, slightest effort, he can be exempt from all those temptations. And only on Sukkot, we begin with the Averis, as big as Sukkot is, uh, and everything of Elul and Roshoni Yom Kippur flow into Sukkot. But that's when the Cheshman Avonis, the Gemara says, it could begin. Now, so the Shlar Kodesh explained that it's like Yoival, that we go free from the Avdus, the servitude, and we are now in a different realm. Shabbos is Me'en Olam Haba. But the person could only be elevated at a certain level that's like the level of Shemitah in attaching himself with our Kurdish Baruch Hu. But Yom Kippur has the full faculty to be able to bring out in the person greatness. That's why we are compared to angels. We dress in white. We don't eat. We don't drink. There's so many things that the person is here in Olam Hazeh. Even more than that, the name of the Gemara about Yom Kippur, it's called Yuma. Yuma in Aramaic, it means Yom, day. Now, if somebody said to you, I want to meet you, uh, on the day, you'd say, well, which day are you talking about? How can I meet you without knowing what the day is? Now, the Gemara for Pesachim is called, uh, Pesach is called Pesachim, the name Pesach. Sukkah is called Sukkah. Rosh Hashanah is called Rosh Hashanah. But Yom Kippur does, is not called Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, it's day. Because the day is so elevated and lofty, it's like we can't even point our finger at it and say, Yom Kippur. We call the Masech the day because we are elevated into a realm that we have no idea how high we are being lifted up and we're like being put into the highest abode for 25 hours. And that's why Kadmonim even said that people who get up in the morning and have a mission 
And if the mission is important about, they don't, important enough, they don't think about the eating. They want to get the thing done. They won the lottery and they have till 12 o'clock to get and pick up the ticket. He's not going to, when the car comes to bring him, and said, well, it's two hours away from here. Oh, well, then I have to sit down and take my, I have to eat and I have to make a sandwich. Uh, he's not going to be talking about any sandwiches. He's dreaming about the 100 million certified check that he's picking up. Yom Kippur is the 100 million. So the Yitzhahara, they say, comes every hour. Oh, how much more time can you eat? They're looking at the clock the whole day as if they're plagued with something that they're not going to survive. And meantime, they're entering into the abode of the greatest. And that every second, we know that Mayriv is Keneged Nefesh. Ruach is Shachris. Neshama is Musaf. Chaye is Mincha. And Yechida is Ne'ilah. Now we're going into such places. Who would be looking at the clock in those places? We, we should enjoy every minute. And that's why Motsoyim Kippur, you're supposed to make a suda with fish, with meat, with candles, and to wash. Not like other fast days. You, you take a piece of cake and a tea. And that's it. And a few hours later, you're, late. you're supposed to eat a regular suda besimcha. Shlomo Melech said that. Because the four days between Yom Kippur and Sukkot is connected Yud Kevavke. But the little thorn on top of the Yud, that's called the Kutzashal Yud, and that is the Olam HaKeser, and that's the Motsoyim Kippur. You're coming out of the, the, the Kodesh Kedoshim that you were in, and you're coming down now to have a Suda. And that's why there is so much effort and distinction to that Suda Motsoyim Kippur. Now, on Yom Kippur, for instance, by Mincha, the morning Kriya is all about what the Kohen Gadol did on Yom Kippur, Parshasach Ramos. All the Psukim about what he did, what he brought, Karbonas, went into the Kodesh Kedoshim, the Ketoris, the death. But when it comes to Mincha, which is a higher part of the day, what do we lay? We lay the Arroyos. The Arroyos. Now, if I asked you, and you were picking what we're going to read on Yom Kippur by Mincha. Would you pick the parsha that talks about you're not allowed to live with an animal and you're not allowed to live with a... That's what you would pick for Yom Kippur? That's the... It's a day supposed to be of Tahara. I mean, these topics are, are less... That, but the answer is that the higher up you go, like before Matan Torah for like the Ovos, they married two sisters. The Shivtekov married the girl, the twin they were born with. 
every Shevet, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, they were born with a twin, a girl. And that's who, and when it says S Binyamin, and it says an extra S there, so Rashi says he was born with two girls, two twins. And that's why it says two times S. And the source that there will be a lot of things that are also in terms of marriage that will become mutter once after Mashiach, after Tchiasamesim, and the world reverts to a higher level called Olam Haba. And that's higher than Yemosa Mashiach and higher even of Trias HaMesim. And certain things will become mutter at that level of reverting the world to Olam Haba, like before the Chet of Adam Arisha. So we are able to amass and drench ourselves on Yom Kippur with such Kedusha and Tahara that we can go back to the source and lane for the Kriya of Mincha, which is Keneged Chaya, which is higher than Nishama, on Yom Kippur, and it fits right in. Because we're standing not here in Olam Hazah, we're like on an elevator that we're taken up into the highest point. So every moment of Yom Kippur is to be treasured. Treasured. And what I'm going to do, Be'ezus Hashem, is fill in in Yoni Yom Kippur uh, like I want to say to you now, that Erev Purim, we fast. It's Tanis Esther. And the next day, it's a mitzvah to eat. On Purim, we have a suda. We send food, chalachmanas, that could be eaten on the spot. You can't send to somebody, chalachmanas, a raw steak. Because it has to be that when he receives the package, if he's hungry and he wants to eat, you could have the steak made or the the meat prepared that he could take a fork and make a brach and eat it. That's Purim. But Yom Kippur, the day before Yom Kippur, we eat. It's a mitzvah. And it's a mitzvah every single second the briskerov used to have a candy in his mouth every era of Yom Kippur. Because he said, every second that you're with food, something in your mouth, you have a mitzvah. So we, on Erev Purim, the day of Tainus Esther, we fast, and the next day we eat. Yom Kippur, we eat, and then we fast. Because eating... is if it's done l'shem shamayim that the eating can elevate so much that even fasting can't bring you to that level but since it's Yom Kippur 
and it's a day of Kapur that our slate is wiped clean. I once said to you that if someone came over and gave you a slap and then 10 minutes later said, forgive me, I don't know, I was in a crazy mood. And you say, okay, you're crazy mood, forget it. Then two days later, the person comes back and takes his fist and punches you in. And he says to you, Oi, Gewalt, what did I do again? Ah. So you forgive him again. But by the 10th or the 20th slap, you'd say, listen, I don't mind forgiving you, but I'm tired of being slapped. I don't want you slapping me anymore. Wake up, like you wake up 10 minutes later and say, Oi, what did I do? Wake up before you slap me. Now the Balatanya says, that a person who does an Avera, even a thousand times, he's slapping a Kodesh particle. And then he comes every day and three times a day says, Slach lonu avinu ki chatonu. And he ends off the bracha, Baruch Hashem, Chanun What right does he have to use the Shem Hashem to finish that bracha? Because he keeps doing the Averis. So what do you mean? Is Slach Lanu a joke? Says the Balatanya, that's the difference, a human being, the person will remember it and he'll get bothered by it after a certain point and he won't put up with it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts up with it and every Shemon Esrei we are allowed to say the Shem Hashem. In the bracha, three times a day, because it's true that even Elif Pa'amen, he says, a thousand times, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if there's the slightest remorse and the slightest feeling of that he didn't want to do what he did, he has the forgiveness. And that's why Yom Kippur is so special. Because we're not just forgiven, but it's remembered what happened, but we forgive you. It's not even remembered. It's wiped so clean that the person with the simplest effort can go on with life at a new madrega, turning a page of Ruchnius for the upcoming year that when he promises a Rosh Hashanah, I'm going to learn every day, not just two Mishnas, I'm going to learn a Parak Mishnayas, or one Blat Gemara, I'll learn two Blat Gemara. All these Kabbalists that he takes, they come to fruition with the slightest effort. The problem is that we don't always have even the slightest effort. You know, you take the 24 hours of a day, how much television does a person watch, those who have a television? That's not accounted for. person goes to a hospital to feed someone, it took him a half hour to get there. That's wonderful. He's davening, it's wonderful. He's learning, it's one, he's sleeping, it's wonderful. But there are hours of the day, six or eight hours, that we get caught with very weak responses and rationalizations. Well, I had to take care of this, I had to take care of that. Like somebody, if he lives in Mill Basin, 
and he has to get to Williamsburg for Shabbos, and he takes a car, and he arrives there right by Shkia. So he's going to be Machal Shabbos. He's carrying things. He's going in. He has to pay the guy. And his answer is, oh, I didn't know there was going to be a half hour's extra traffic. And unfortunately, he's looked at like a Machal Shabbos B'mezid. Because if he had to pick up the 100 million, the lottery ticket, and they told him, you got to be here by five, he'd be there by three. Because he wouldn't take the risk of being late. So we have to adjust our daily lives to fit in more and to be more attuned with what we do and how we do it and when we do it. So that we don't slip and trip every second or fourth hour of the day with something else. And that's why Yom Kippur is so wonderful. I remember in Yeshiva that it was the favorite day of many of us. The favorite day. And why? Because if you think what Yom Kippur is, it's literally more than a lottery ticket. It's the most unbelievable experience. It's the most unbelievable opportunity and we should not allow ourselves to keep looking at the clock. Oh, another four hours, another three hours, another two hours, as if it's a plague. You wouldn't have gotten such an opportunity ever in your life. It's only the chesed and the rachmim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we have it. So we will continue next Sunday with our next thing. Meantime, you're going to have until then, Shabbos Shuva, Parshas Vayelach, and that is the Mashpia on Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur is coming up during that upcoming next week. And as I always say to you, my name is Baruch and Kol Yomen, that all the days of the upcoming week get their strength and vitality from the Shabbos before. A Gemar Chasima Tova. Ach tova chesed varikoisi lochem bracha ad beli dai.